Before I get started on today's Mortcast, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, right smack dab in the middle of the dairy block. Um, you know, I, I don't, as most of you know, I don't advertise a lot of things on uh, CSG. Uh, I'm not a uh, one of those guys that will do something unless they do a product that means a lot. Uh, or I've tried it myself, and quite frankly, uh, Blanchard Family Wines impressed me so much, I decided to take it upon myself to promote them on this podcast, because they're that good. Um, opening late in 2018 in the Dairy Block, which is a great place to go uh, in uh, Denver, call it down, lower downtown Denver. Um, really, if you want to have the experience of uh, family wine, uh, they got their own vineyard uh, located in the Russian River Valley in uh, California. Uh, if you want to experience that, and if you really want to experience the array, array of different wines that they got, uh, really Blanchard is the place for you. Um, I had a great, great experience there when I went in uh, a couple months ago, and it really stuck with me. Great staff, great knowledgeable staff, great wine. Um, honestly, I really enjoyed it. Uh, they are lo- they have a Facebook and an Instagram page under Blanchard Family Wines. Once again, they are located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, right smack dab in the middle of the dairy block, a couple blocks away from Coors Field. Uh, when you go in, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I am, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, today I, I, I had a, I actually had originally had a, a podcast, different podcast planned. Um, and with all apologies to my friend Trey, um, I was going to shout him out cause he had a tweet that I really wanted to point out. Um, I saw later something, I had issues uploading yesterday's podcast, so I'm going to re recorded it today after I had some appointments and I've decided to switch gears for this particular podcast because I kind of want to talk about, uh, Matt Moore, HP Bas- at HP Basketball on Twitter, his interaction with uh, Kevin Durant in, re- in relation to uh, analytics and uh, the perception of of what analytics are to you know star players. Um, I was struck by the conversation because it seemed to me like they were. T- talking to completely different languages. And I believe, I think, and it really what it did for me is kind of crystallized what my view of, of the role of analytics and uh, whatever metrics are in basketball and when it comes to players versus uh, front offices. And I actually had a back and forth with Adam Mates, uh from uh, various outlets uh, on, uh, on Twitter about it. And here is my... God's honest feeling. I, and I can, the only thing I can do is relate it to my own thing. Because as pe- most people know, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not anti-analytics, but I'm not someone who's going to use them because of several different factors. But I will relate it to something in my particular life to see if people kind of have a way maybe of understanding this a little better, uh, my point of view a little better on this. Um, I, t- I picked up the guitar at the age of 10. And I, through trial and error and natural talent, I taught myself how to play. Uh, I had, I have no theory. I took no theory, music theory, music classes, anything. I am a self-taught guitar player. It, it, it was an evolution over time. 
It started with me playing along to a radio or a tape player back in the day or later a CD player or anything like that. It was me just trial and error and then figuring out chords and then figuring out how they go together. And basically it was me discovering the guitar, knowing the guitar myself. And I think at this point I'm a pretty good, you know, I recorded an album back in 1999. Um, I consider myself a pretty damn good guitar player, albeit not probably not in the league of your famous people, but, you know, I'm good for what I do. When it comes to me playing guitar in music theory, however, that's a different relationship. Um, <clears throat> a few years back, I tried to teach myself theory. And theory is basically knowing scales, uh, knowing the definition of each note, um, where in note in relation to melody, note in relation to uh, chord structure, note in relation to all of that. It's, it really is all about defining music and giving a definition to what you're playing. Say, if I'm playing in e, a D, an E, uh, and, a, and an A, you know, which is the base, most basic chord, three chords in all of rock music. Um, you will, like, what basically the um, theory does is teach you the scale to play along with there. Um, and a scale is a series of notes that, like, usually they go in solos, but it's a, it, it often theory is used in classical music and jazz um, really heavily because they will play often diminished chords and... Um, well, I, I call them jazz chords. Things that, that there's actually a Led Zeppelin song called the Wanton Song <clears throat> that uses a, a has a bridge structure that is heavy on uh, jazz chords, which is what you know I call them, and it's a really make a neat effect to the middle of a, a, a song. But it, it really, I tried to teach myself like what these scales were, and I tried to learn along, and all it did was make me mad. That's literally all it did. It just make me mad. I I didn't. I rejected it because I didn't want to know. Because that's not how I learned. I didn't learn to play guitar by studying notes. I learned guitar by feeling my way through it. Now that is a big subject in the um, in the uh, music community, particularly those who recently who who teach courses online, specifically on YouTube. The emphasis on, on, like say, learning mixolydian uh, uh, scale or something like that. So doing arpeggios, blah blah blah. I know the names of these things. I just don't give a crap. I feel my way through a guitar, and people hate to use the word "feel." Um, they think it's a cop out, um, and in some sense, it is. In some sense, it is a cop out to say. I just feel my way through on a guitar when, you know, you can't translate it to someone who is, say, trying to learn theory. They, they look at you like you're speaking some sort of a different, like you're trying to be too rudimentary when you say you feel something on the guitar. Let's fast forward this to Kevin Durant and Matt Moore talking. And it was struck me how similar the conversation was between Matt Moore and Kevin Durant and the way I talk to people who are heavy into music theory, people who are into structure. And I, 
and I really do, it crystallized everything about what it is. Honestly, as people know, I, I, don't, I don't use basketball analysts myself. It, it kills my appreciation for the game. Uh, I don't want to know, I don't want to know boxes. I want to just experience the game. It's very similar to my experience with playing guitar. I don't want to have the de- to have everything defined for me. I want to see the game unfold. Many players, not all, to their credit, many players, however, feel do the same thing. They just do. Um, and there's a difference between doing and defining. And for a lot of players, they look at uh, the use of analytics as an attempt to box them in. I've spoken to a couple myself in my time covering the Nuggets, and they kind of just like shrug and say, eh, I don't need it, you know. And I, this is years ago when I talked about that, but um, it, is, it is a true separation between people who cover the game and even people in front offices who use it, and I think it's very necessary in front offices, by the way. Um, but players... I don't think most of them care about it because they just play. They just do, you know. It's just it's a lot easier to press play than to know how the VCR works, to use an old metaphor. <laughs> it's a lot easier to select something on your streaming device than it is to know how that is being beamed to your phone, right? And I believe that is how players look at these things. They They just experience this as something that they look at and say, I have done this since I was, I, I was, I, I learned the game. I was coached and people separate coaching from analytics. Analytics is very academic and, um, there will always be that separation between academia and, uh, some other aspects of life because a lot of these players, they just go and do. I'm very academic in a lot of other areas. I was very much into English when I was uh, in school. In fact, I was probably doing that ad nauseum. I would read 40 books a summer. I was a real bookworm. Um, I was very academic, but I'm not a math major, and I I really could give a flying you-know-what about math, but it is one of those things. It's just me. That had nothing to do with anyone else. And I think the fight... Between, I mean, because what Matt Moore's uh, conversation with Kevin Durant centered around was uh, uh, Zach Levine and mid-range shots. Really, that's what it was. And then it just kind of went from there. And by the way, I'm outside again. So for those people who are uh, love the ambient noise and uh, insects, uh, we've returned to the outside. Um, but and it's, by the way, it's a beautiful beautiful day. It's like 80 degrees in October. It's fantastic out here. Um, I think that when we, we, as people who cover the game of basketball, our desire to relate to ourselves and relate the game of basketball to ourselves, and I will say that sometimes I fall into a trap of getting know-it-all with people who play the game. I think they reject that. On the other hand, there is a real place for analytics in a game. And I, my own view has always been it's more in, on the front office side than it is on coaching. 
because the job of people who are selecting players is to find those people who do th- certain things and do certain things well and assemble the team. The, the object of the players is to play, and that's what they do best. And much like with me, when I taught myself how to learn, it is, I mean, a lot of people, uh, you know, if a player, like, bring, is, comes up and he, like, is learning along with analytics, and he has analytics in every part of his life, it'll become second nature to him. That's how they start. That's how, that's, that is a learning experience. So it becomes second nature to them, right? Most people don't, okay? Most players do not experience it in that way. You know, if I had learned um, music theory from the beginning... I wouldn't complain about its uh, application to what I do because it would be second nature to me. It's just learning the guitar. However, I am 41, and I have spent 31 years playing the guitar. And it really is hard to incorporate that into what you do because all you see is boxes. And I really do sympathize with a lot of these players because when they get introduced to these analytics it's like a series and if they are anything like me they see a series of boxes so you got one box that goes to another box and when i'm doing i'm just going and flowing i'm going out there and i'm just going to flow with what i do and i think there is a dichotomy that exists in the nba particularly between the people who cover the league and fans and the other side of the players who um about the use of analytics and the way they are applied to covering the game. Because I know a lot of players kind of resent analytics. And I don't think they should, but I do think it gets overbearing. Um, especially, the, you know, these, all these players are on, on uh, Twitter. And a lot of players can't separate Twitter from media. Because <laughs> a lot of media is on Twitter. But not all Twitter is media, okay? So uh, they have a hard time separating that. And so they see all these people saying, well, this guy can't do this, this can't do that, and here's the, here's the chart to support it. And they think that this, what's this, you know, blanking guy doing? To, I mean, who is he to say this? And then that's when the whole you never played the game thing stuff comes up, and it's just reductive. And then none of that is helpful. But I think there is a way to both coexist without it becoming a uh, pissing match between people who love to incorporate analytics into their, into their coverage and, and, and understanding of the game and people who just go and flow. It can coexist. It doesn't need to be this big of a separation. And I really do think if we can get to a place where it can, you know, those old coexist stickers, coexist, uh, if we can have that, then we can, you know, uh, have a nice, happy thing. Because, like, quite, like I said before, as much as a, I'm not into analytics for my own exploration of the NBA, I understand their value, and I understand that front offices often need them and really should be using them. But I do believe that is different from what the players do. And I think if we have that understanding and separation, I think we can have a better marriage, you know. And stay off the stay off Twitter. Twitter is a cancerous place. Oh man, uh, if you especially if you're a player, don't just, just stay off Twitter. It, it'll make your life much better. 
Um, all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining me and uh, tolerating my rant here. I've been wanting to do this for a while. Uh, I will be back soon. I think the next podcast is going to be a Halloween one. So uh, we'll be talking about another movie and uh, my review of it. So thank you all for joining me. I'll be talking to you later. Ta-ta.